Hey guys, welcome or welcome back to the Cosmic Drip Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Gehring, and this is the show where we get vulnerable about all things conscious living, mysticism, um, cyclical living, being in tune with nature, and honoring the soft animal that is our bodies, as one of my favorite poets, Mary Oliver, says. So today we're going to be diving into Sagittarius season. Um, We are not quite halfway, but we're about 10 days into the season as I'm recording this. Um, It is Thursday, December 2nd today. So depending on when you're listening to this, we might be a little bit further into the season, but uh, I wanted to record this anyway because better late than never. And I'm a reflector. My energy is extremely inconsistent and um, allowing that to be my guide giving myself compassion and respect and reverence for my energy and where it's moving is a practice that I have been um, deep in the learning of for the last few years. And yeah, I just want to say this because I will probably not be super consistent in putting out episodes. I'm not going to share if I don't feel like there's something that needs to be said to add to the conversation um, that is kind of a long form happening between myself and you listening. And so, yeah, all of this to say, I'm not a consistent human and that's not something you should expect from me. So I'm sorry that this is a little over a week into Sag season, but this is how it is. (laughs) Hashtag reflector life, you know. All right. So today we'll be diving into Sagittarius season, really tuning into this energy, tuning into the medicine that's here for us. I pulled a card for the collective for um, this month of Sagittarius season. We'll dive into um, some of the transits that are happening during the season and energy shifts between planetary changes, um, as well as practical lit tips for living into the magic during this season and bringing this into your everyday life or into the way in which your your flow is really manifesting during this time. So we'll be getting into all of this, but before we do, I just want to share some kind of life updates and things that have been really present for me lately. And the first thing that really comes up for me in this is just a concept of vulnerability. Vulnerability is something that I am deeply committed to showing up with in this space because honestly, I think there is so little value in hearing stories from other people when we don't hear it with vulnerability and honesty and truth so that we can actually connect and actually see ourselves and one another and embrace our humanness. So something that has come through for me many, many times in the last few weeks from different messengers, um, some being like my guides, some being people outside of myself and um, their guides or the Akashic records. And the message that's come through to me over and over again has been to be myself unrefined. And I've really been sitting with like, what does that mean to be unrefined? Um, I'll, I'll preface pretty much all of what I'm about to say with saying that I've spent most of the last month completely off of social media. And it's been heaven. It's been 
so lovely. I've felt so much more space back in my day. I feel so much more space and openness energetically, so much more clarity and integrity within my own body and my own self. But, um, and, you know, it's given me a lot of time to think and to process and to really, uh, really like chew on some things that I've been holding lately, but not really getting into. Um, my cat right now is like rummaging through one of my shoes and trying to lay in it. <laughs> She's been really rambunctious today. So you might hear her in the background, which is mostly why I bring her up. Her name is Luna and she is a soulmate cat of mine. And someday maybe I'll tell the story of Luna and I on this podcast. I'd love to like have on and an animal medium or something and really connect and tap in. Anyway, the idea of being myself unrefined, I've really been like, what does that mean? Like, what are refinements? Because this is something that it can be so big or so little, right? Like, at first I was like, okay, so this is, um, I don't know, not creating fucking professional photo shoot Instagram posts all the time and like allowing myself to just be myself and have that be it. And then I'm like, what is just being myself? How does this come through on a day-to-day basis? I'm a Taurus rising, which means that I'm ruled by Venus. And um, as a Venusian human, the idea of like refining myself is not something that I've ever uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say ever, but it's not something that I've thought about negatively in a lot of ways. And I think I do a lot of things. I've at least I've noticed myself doing a lot of things where I'm go, oh, that is refinement in some way. That is me when I'm not sharing the actual words that are on my heart and in some way trying to make it come out nicer for the other person. That is refinement. It's also people pleasing um, and codependency and other things. But um just noticing like all of these examples that felt really small, but really were impactful in terms of not allowing my full self to come through and to be my messy, chaotic um, humanity, right? And like fully embracing that, fully embracing it and allowing it to be okay. And knowing that when I do that, I'm opening up space for other people to also embrace their humanity and to know that that is okay. But also in being an entrepreneur and running a business in this way to be unrefined is really counter to the majority of business advice and coaching and thoughts that are out there. And so it's, it's something that for me has connected to Something that one of my teachers, Michelle Pelazon, says all the time, which is making paradoxical moves. And especially when we're when we're working with timeline dynamics, collapsing timelines, um, archetypes and our energy and moving into or up leveling into newer versions of ourselves this idea of making paradoxical moves is something that actually helps us collapse those timelines faster and so it's just been interesting for me to sit with this idea of being myself unrefined because this is a paradoxical move right this is not like the advice that you're given when you um, are an entrepreneur when you are the face of your brand or whatever that means Um, which leads me into something else that has been extremely present for me which is the word coach and calling myself a coach so for those of you who don't know my business started out um, as a holistic nutrition coaching business and I was doing holistic nutrition coaching with clients for um, about about a year a little under a year Uh, and I loved the support 
the supporting other people aspect of it. I loved seeing somebody go from being incredibly uncomfortable with either their body or food or their habits around food or being uncomfortable in the kitchen and not knowing how to cook for themselves and having so much anxiety or fear around these things and really supporting people with walking them through not just the mindset changes and tips and techniques in order to support lasting um change that is genuinely healthy through I was mostly teaching this through intuitive eating and through really getting in touch with one's body and um, what it is your body is saying and then listening to to the foods that you should be eating from there and like always coming back to that place of listening to your body and listening to your body and the somatics and then supporting people in the somatics of what comes up when they listen to their body when they have never felt inside of their body before in that way and I really loved that work that I was doing but I really didn't like like the actual logistical um, nutritional pieces around food and building diet plans and all those things that kind of stuff just like did not light me up and I found that I was using astrology with every single one of my clients and at some point my clients would be like can we have a session where we're just doing astrology and I really recognized that it was time for a shift um Anyway, and from that space, I got really connected with the coaching community that was here in like North County of San Diego. And wow, it feels very vulnerable to talk about this. And I'm really grateful that I'm sharing it on with you guys today. But I just had so many experiences within this community that seriously turned me off from the coaching community Um, from I don't know, incredibly fake friendships that only come down to are you buying my program or are you not buying my program to um, coaches that sell a program that is just the way that they did something and their entire program is just walking you through the same guidelines of what they did without actually tuning into you and your business, your energy and what would be supportive for you. Um, I just felt like there was a lot of deceit happening within this community. I felt like... uh, I would meet people who said that they were trauma-informed coaches that have not had a single minute of experience within uh, trauma or counseling or psychology-related class or certification or degree or anything like that. And I just really fell out with with the idea of coaching and calling myself a coach. Um, And this was about two years ago, and in this time, I've... I completely disconnected myself from that word and calling myself that or calling what I do that. And within the last few months, I've been feeling an extreme like desire to pick that back up again. And I think that a more accurate word for what I do is probably being a guide. I don't see myself as, um, how do I want to say this? It's not simply coaching. Coaching is not something that's just simple to do. But I, I've i never felt full resonance with the word coach, although I do think that is the word that best describes what I do for the majority of humans to understand like what the container is. And so coming back into this space of being myself unrefined, what does that mean? How do I show up when I am myself unrefined? How do I speak when I'm unrefined? Um, how do I share and hold space from from that place as well and that really bringing up this this inner desire to fully claim that 
calling and gift of coaching and guiding and holding space in that way and doing so in a way that connects to both the energetic and spiritual, mental and emotional, the feminine, while also bringing in the structure and practicality and tools that the masculine gives us. And I just love that the container of coaching gets to be a space where those two energies really flow and come together in such a beautiful way and reclaiming that name of coach and of guide has, yeah, it's felt very, very good. Um, a part of this in really sitting with being myself unrefined has also very much been about embracing my imperfection. Um, I've probably read Brené Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection multiple, I don't know, three or four times in my life. I've used it with clients as I'm working with them. It's it's so beautiful. And I'm not even somebody who really has self-identified as a perfectionist. But then just again, this mantra of being myself unrefined has really allowed me to come up against all of the places within myself where the imperfectionist voice, or I'm sorry, the perfectionist voice has um still been really speaking to me and still been been pushing me in a certain direction um, whether or not I had been conscious of that before and so that's been something that has felt really profound just giving my sp- myself space and love and compassion for being human and um, noticing what what that means to be human that things will not be perfect that not everything is going to work out and um just because it's not working out in the way that you've desired or wanted to does not mean that there is not an overall learning or lesson or way that this fits into your experience. It's simply what's happened. And a part of this for me has also been recognizing and growing in failure tolerance. So failure tolerance is something that I've mostly learned about through, again, my teacher, Michelle. Um, And this really has to do with our capacity to fail and our capacity to be okay with failing with things not working with with coming up against the fear of failure and saying that's okay you can be here we're doing the thing anyway and even if I fail a hundred times it's not actually a failure this doesn't take away from me unless I give it that power otherwise failures are really just lessons and ways to really refine yourself and refine your practice. And I'm like laughing a little bit saying the word refine because it's contradictory to obviously like being unrefined, but that's the gift of failure. That's the gift of being unrefined and letting yourself be imperfect is that you can try something and if it doesn't work, that's okay. It's absolutely not the end of the world. We move on and we, we try again. Or we try in a different way because what we what we did do gave us the learning or the lesson that our approach may not have been the most suitable for our desired effects or outcomes or goals. Um, also within human design, my profile is 3-5. So like this idea of failure tolerance and learning through failure and like falling flat on your face is pretty much something that I've been doing my entire life. Uh, and let me tell you, It's super fucking fun over here. As long as you don't make failure mean something about yourself, right? As long as you don't create a narrative that your value, your worth, your ability to to whatever is based off of whether or not something that you've touched fails or succeeds because 
this binary of failure or success is something that I think we're seriously disconnecting from now um, and that we will be disconnecting from even more heavily in the future. Like there is no difference between failure and success. Um, especially because most of the time, the success that the majority of humans are chasing is what we have been told is success. It's not what your measure of success is. And that's something that I've also come back to during this process is what is success for me? Success for me doesn't need to be, I don't know, having a million listeners and subscribers. First of all, that doesn't mean that it translates into um, a sustainable business into revenue in your business and income that you're making that has absolute like that says absolutely nothing about the senses of fulfillment that you receive by participating in the creation of something or the support that on the other end you're able to give and others are able to receive from what you create and so redefining success in my own language for my own self really asking when I'm creating something what would success look like for me here? What does that mean for me here? So that I have a clear definition of that. And so that definition is not anything that has to do with what other people may be considering successful or what the world has told me success means. Because, you know, we have so many examples of the things that we are told are quote unquote success, meaning like money, fame, I don't know, luxury, like having money in the bank in a nice car, whatever. We have so many examples of humans who have these things and like, first of all, don't feel successful, don't feel like they've quote unquote made it, like are still hungry for more, but also are not fulfilled and are not happy. And so a huge thing for me and recognizing what success is for me is my joy and my happiness. And did I connect with my heart as I created this offering? Is this something that came from a space of generosity of pouring from a full cup and of wanting to contribute to support? Or is this coming from a space of scarcity around, I don't know, I need to make more money in my business. So I like need to create this offering so that people buy it from me, whatever that story looks like, like whatever that narrative is just coming back to a space of I know for myself when I am creating this thing or when I am participating in X, what success for it mean for me. So like to give a really solid example of this, um, I don't know, for the cosmic drip, I don't have any kind of goal around listenership or whatever i would love to like i have some ideas of of milestones i would like to be hitting at certain points around listenership and promotions and like whatever but for me what success actually is is that this touches one person and supports them where they are whether that is supporting them in like opening them up into a new perspective and frame of mind and sharing something that they haven't thought about before, sharing a new frame of mind, um, bringing in new perspective or giving some kind of tangible guidance, some kind of tool, whatever. Like to me, that is success. And to me, this is successful when that happens and when I get to really touch somebody with my words and um, share from my experiences and my lessons because that's also like a lovely gift of the three fives that I make all these mistakes so that other people don't have to. And I get to say, this is what I've tried and like how this process has worked. And here's how you cope with, with failure and building up that tolerance and all of those pieces. So it's something that I'm coming into a space of being just incredibly grateful for. <sighs> I really cannot 
say better things about my space from social media and what taking that space has felt like. Um, I did this for a week through a guided container with uh, a mentor and friend of mine, Britt Lynn. Um, She held a container called Sidestepping Social. And so for the first week, I was in a Marco Polo group with about a dozen other women who were also taking a break from social media. And that was really supportive and really inspiring, just having that space and time with other people because it can feel weirdly lonely off of social media when I mean I work by myself most days and the the interactions that I have with people are like with my clients or if I go to a coffee shop to work until I'm seeing my friends or seeing my partner at the end of the day so it felt so good to still have connection but to be creating genuine and more intimate connections and again like I came back to this idea of being unrefined so often something that's like so silly but I think that every person does is that when you go to like like, I don't know, post an Instagram story. If you in the picture, the video, you don't love what you said, you like end it and you delete it and you start again and you say the thing and you are refining yourself when you do this. And so a practice that I really picked up during that time was like turning the record button on, talking to somebody through my phone and sending it right away. Marco Polo forces you to do this. um, But this has been a practice that I've really leaned into because I would find myself like sending voice messages to friends and not liking something that I said and deleting it and uh, I don't know taking six minutes to like record a one minute message to send that to one of my friends and if you can't tell by the amount of I don't knows and ums and uh spaces in this podcast this is something that I'm practicing here too is just allowing myself to speak and allowing what wants to come through to come through and obviously I have some notes in front of me but just again, that sense of space, that sense of not being refined. And so something that I want to invite you into um, during this podcast is just asking yourself, what would it mean for me to be myself unrefined? And holding this question, maybe you use it as a journal prompt, maybe it's something that you just hold in your mind and you come back to a couple times throughout the day. But just notice, notice where you are refining yourself. Notice where you don't say what you want to say because you are afraid of what others may think about you for it, or you're afraid of being misunderstood, or whatever it may be. Just notice where you make subtle refinements to who you are for either the comfortability or the ease or um, pleasing the people who are around you. Okay, another really big thing that's come up for me during this time off has just been this time off. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. This time off of social media. This has not been time off. I have been so much more productive in the last few weeks than I think I, well, I was extremely productive in 2021. I've created a lot this year, but like the last three weeks were an extreme level of productivity, even compared to um, my Mars return in Virgo that happened earlier this year, which was when I launched the Cosmic Drip and all kinds of other stuff. But Anyway, this calling towards creativity has really just hit me so hard and I've taken other like extended breaks from social media and during that time I always come back to my inner artist and my inner creative. So one of the first times that I did this was, uh, wow, 2017, 2018. It was early 2018. 
I had just gotten out of a relationship that was almost three years long. And um, I really put all of my time and energy into just being with myself, discovering myself, letting myself come through and be expressed in the way that felt natural and wanted to. And as a part of this process, I found The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Um, I actually literally randomly found it at a Goodwill bookstore that was down the street from me at the time. And I didn't know anything about it or her background or like the popularity of the book or anything like that. And I started going through it on my own and it completely changed my life and unlocked all kinds of pieces of my inner child and my inner artist that I barely remembered and didn't realize I had put away for so long and allowed me to come back to my creativity and to claim my creativity, to develop my connection to my inner self, my inner child, my inner artist, as well as to source. And it was truly life-changing. I think I made it 10 weeks by myself. Um, and I've moved through the artist's way a couple times since then with groups, and it's just open me into deeper and deeper layers of myself every single time. But there are two practices from the artist way that have just become complete essential tools in my toolkit that I want to share with you guys today because these practices came back to me during the last few weeks and um, I've always kept them in my back pocket but like pulled them out when I'm really feeling the need for it instead of continually practicing them and enveloping that into a part of what my devotional practice looks like and so that's something that I've been doing in the last few weeks and it's just been incredible so I'll share these two tools with you now the first thing is called morning pages and Julia Cameron has you do these every single day while you're going through the artist's way what these are is in the morning pretty much first thing before you go and do anything else you free write three pages in a notebook or on just random pieces of paper um, you can also do this on like a Notion document or on your computer if you want to. I personally love having the freedom of a pen and paper in my hand because it ends up looking crazy. It's like not linear at all. It gets to be anything that's in you that wants to come through. So whether that's you processing something, journaling something, sharing about what's going on for you or like really just tapping into how you've been feeling about something, um, I always end up making lists in mine or writing down random thoughts and downloads that I'm having during sometimes I'll like be writing out a sentence and my brain has already moved on three different sentences down the line so I just quit writing that sentence and start where my brain is it's all about brain dumping and getting whatever is floating around inside of your crown and third eye like down onto paper and outside of you and what this does is it helps clear your energy um, it helps again like let go of those thoughts and the things that have just been sitting in your mind um, and getting them on paper really allows us to create some kind of detachment or dif distance from it but something that this process also does is it really forces you to see and come up against areas that are sticky or tensiony or that aren't really working for you or problems that you've been having something that's inevitable when you're writing this much every single day is coming up against points where you like really don't feel like doing it anymore where you're like there's absolutely nothing that I have to say that I want to say to get on this paper right now when you're writing that down I have nothing to say there is nothing that I want to say today I do not know what to write about and eventually things start coming out and you start seeing them but it can be uncomfortable right this process that you have that you have to that you go through 
and showing up every single day and seeing your thoughts and having to see where you're unhappy. If if you're discontented in a certain area of your life and you're writing about that every single day, if you have to write about it, if you're writing about what's on your mind, you start to first of all, open up that energy to bring in more creative solutions to those problems. And you subconsciously start to seek those solutions for the problems and find them as well. So this is just such an incredibly supportive um, practice to have in so many ways. But this is like my biggest tip for gaining clarity in the morning, gaining clarity in your own vessel and what's coming up for you. And then um, listening to your intuition, listening to what's coming through. So this has been really present with me lately. And then the other practice that um, Julia Cameron has you do once a week during the artist way and that I have started picking back up again in the last couple of weeks are artist dates. Artist dates have historically like really been hit or miss for me. The first time I did the artist way, I planned and looked forward to my artist dates every single week. It was so much fun. I absolutely loved them. The second time I did the artist way, I resisted and avoided the artist dates literally the entire time. Um, I think I did I think I did one and I like begrudgingly took myself out to do it and was like just checking it off of a list and it didn't feel very good. And so what this practice is, is allowing your inner artist to completely open up, come through, have fun and express itself. So there are so many ways you can do this. One of the rules that she has is that you do it by yourself. So this doesn't involve another person, their ideas, their perspectives, whatever. This is all about really tuning into yourself. So tapping into your inner artist might be like going to get stickers and like putting them on things in your home and enjoying your time with it and like tuning into your inner child. It might be coming back to some kind of creative practice or thing that you did as a kid uh, that's exciting to you or connects you back to your inner child in that way. Um, it could be literally anything that brings you into some state of creativity or inspiration. And a part of the reason she has this practice is because you can't create from an empty cup. So every person is a creative. Every human is creative. Um, whether or not that comes through in like a classically artistic quote unquote way, is going to look different person to person, but we all have creativity and access to this creativity. This is something that I'm definitely going to speak more about in the future. But when we are not filling ourselves back up creatively, meaning when we are not participating in creative things that are just for the sake of the creativity and the playfulness and the joy of it versus having some kind of payoff or having some kind of productivity value or monet monetary monetization value, um, we are not filling our cup back up. But then when we're also not taking in creative inspiration, we're not able to create from an inspired place, right? That's something that also like, I think in her words, like fills your creative piggy bank, you have to like be putting things in there. And so what that means is putting yourself in the way of things that inspire you and things that make you think or open yourself up or whatever that may be. So an artist date may be taking yourself to an art museum that you've been wanting to see and just looking at what's there and taking all of that in as inspiration. It might be, um, I don't know, attending a workshop or 
I guess attending a workshop would not be solo so that technically wouldn't be an artist date but it's this idea of putting yourself in the way of things that inspire you people who are creating things that inspire you in some way and for me this is especially potent when it doesn't have to do with the things that I typically engage with on a day-to-day basis so I feel like my work has so much creativity that's involved in it because it's different all the time. I'm like making graphics for things. I'm writing. I'm speaking. I am connecting with people one-on-one and holding space for them and bringing them into practices around their creativity. And all of these things are really engaging for me. But when I want to fill my creative cup, if I go to things like energy work or um, astrological things or something around tarot, like that doesn't fill me back up because that's the world that I'm engaging with and working with all the time. So those things fulfill me, but that's not going to fill my creative cup. That's what I need to have my creative cup filled in order to pour out on those things that I care about and practice and work with clients in. So um, an example of this is an artist date that I took myself on this last weekend. I had just like some random articles of clothing around that are white and either had like a stain on them or were I don't very see-through that I wanted to refinish and not get rid of or throw away, but um, it like wasn't working for me in the ways that they were. So I've had them like tucked away in a cupboard for about four months and it's just been sitting there with me thinking that I'm going to dye them or try natural dying processes or whatever and I just didn't create the time to do it so this weekend I um, had an artist date with myself where I dyed these pieces of clothing and I went to Michael's and got the dye and mixed the dye and spent a couple of hours in the process of dyeing it and listening to music and I felt just so joyful and open and light by the end of it and honestly like one of the shirts got ruined and didn't turn out the other one mostly turned out but I'm actually going to try to dye it again so it's not that the thing itself was like quote-unquote successful right like I didn't get something from it that was material or tangible or whatever but it was so successful and that it allowed me to really be reinvigorated and inspired by doing something creative that's outside of my normal realm of creativity um by tackling something that I have just had sitting in in the back of my mind for like four months and actually making progress in this thing that like feels so affirming and by the way that's like a massive mental trick to get yourself into building new habits or doing something different is like what are the things that you've been putting off or that just takes up space in your mind and start tackling that do one thing towards finishing that project or at least starting it and getting it moving first of all you usually find that you're just going to complete it because it feels so good once you get the momentum going and humans are not immune to inertia once you get that going you're going to keep going much more easily um whereas when you're in a state of rest it's much harder to like get yourself moving right so that does so much but it also really really helps us create new neural pathways when we um don't need to be working with the thing itself we're trying to change but we move forward in a different area what this does is it shows your brain like newness is possible and look at what I did over here and it gives your brain an example to go back to to say whatever it is I'm trying to do to disengage from or to shift a habit into um, I can do because look at this newness that's here look at what's created and this isn't always a literal conscious process that's happening but this is what's happening on a subconscious level when we just reinforce that 
change is possible, that I can grow in this way. And especially when you do something that's opening up your energy, that's clearing your energy in some way, but also just inviting in that that newness and joy and play that comes with creativity. Um, for my astro nerds out there, what I've been talking about is like extremely fifth house. And I just want to make that connection for all y'all. So these two practices of morning pages and artist dates are really two things that are so, so key for me to be able to function well and to feel like I'm thriving and to feel good and to feel inspired and like I desire to create and to be more motivated. Um, It's so helpful. And so I give both of those practices to you guys to take with you in whatever way feels good and to implement in whatever way feels good. Um, I also want to throw in here as a little teaser that starting in January, um, on January 22nd of 2022, I'm going to be guiding a group of 10 to 12 humans through the artist's way. It's going to be called Journey Through the Artist's Way, Unblocking Your Inner Artist. And it's going to be just incredible. We'll go through the workbook together and have accountability and space to share and to witness one another in this process, which is really so key to finishing it out. Um, at the beginning and of these 12 weeks, you are at the beginning and the end, you will be different people. Um, there is so much that opens and expands and so much spiritual and intuitive growth that I've seen to be a part of this process too. And I'm just so excited to hold this space and to invite you guys into it. So if you want more information, please go ahead and send me an email at caitlin at ofthestars.love and I'll put you on a list and you'll be the first to receive information about um, this 12-week program once it is out there. Okay, and now into our astro corner. So we are in Sagittarius season. Um, At the time I'm recording this, we're, I don't know, eight to 10 days into it already. Um, And we'll be in Sagittarius season until the winter solstice and the sun moving into Capricorn. So Sagittarius season is mutable fire. This is Sag energy. Mutable means that it's flexible adjusting it's moving it's shifting um and fire is a yang energy that really connects us to our solar plexus energy of desire and action and um, taking action on your will and the things that you desire um and so we enter into this season of a lot of energy, like a lot of shift and change. And we entered into the season in the eclipse portal, right? So there already has been so much of this feeling and this sense of shifting and changes and mutability and like kind of chaos around us. Um, this eclipse portal is ending at the solar, I'm yeah, the solar eclipse that we're having um, in Sagittarius on December 3rd. So that's going to be at 12 degrees of Sag. Um, This is also happening in December 4th, depending on your time zone. So it's December 3rd PST at about 11.52 p.m. Excuse me. And let's talk about some qualities of Sagittarius before we really get into the season itself. So Sagittarius is ruled by the planet Jupiter. Jupiter I lovingly refer to as our expansive sky daddy. Jupiter connects us to our belief systems. Jupiter expands. It is optimistic. It brings new opportunities and um, fortune and 
social connections. And when I think of the Jupiterian humans in my life, these are the people who are magnanimous and magnetic and make friends wherever they are and um, have just so much joy and zest for life. Like these are truly like these jovial humans. Um, I love Sagittarians personally. Just just as an aside, I have a personal attachment to Sagittarians. My dad was a Sag. My partner is, uh, he has five planets in Sag, including his son. Um, I have cousins that are Sagittarians that have been like close friends for my entire life. I love this energy. And these humans are exuberant. And so when we are in Sagittarius season, all of us get to tap into this energy wherever it is in our chart. So something that you can look to is the house that Sagittarius rules within your chart. And this will tell you the area of life that you feel this energy in and the area of life that this season has a focus for you on. Um, Some qualities of Sagittarius connect us back to adventure a sense of restlessness and desire to have new experiences. Um, There's a focus again on our belief systems, but especially the beliefs that we obtain through life experience. Uh, A section of that is also like the experiences that we have that in turn give us new perspective um, on life and that inform our worldview. This all really has to do with Sagittarius. It's like very worldview related uh, and it connects us back to both teaching and learning. The desire for more experiences is really contained within Sag. Again, to take action on one's desires, to be more social and jovial and in a more excited mood, a more open mood is very Sagittarian. Um, To have a draw towards travel, to having new experiences with new cultures or ideologies, new belief systems, new religions, all of these things are really contained within Sag. So the example for long-term travel is given a lot with Sagittarius, like the idea of traveling to different cultures and things and obviously this is something that has become so much more difficult if not impossible for some in the last um, two years and so another aspect of this that doesn't have to do with like physically leaving and traveling is like learning about other cultures taking in new perspectives through other belief systems through other um, religious structures whatever that may look like and just taking that in and holding that Um, with your own beliefs and so this energy of Sag is really about learning and newness and new experiences which is really beautiful this season is like literally a breath of fresh air especially coming out of Scorpio season and although there is uh, a lot of shift and mutability and change within Sag and within this eclipse portal I'm very happy to be in this fire energy and I'm sure you all are feeling the massive shift that it was coming out of Scorpio as well. Now, I won't get too specific into the details of um, what I'm about to mention because this just isn't the place for it. And if you want to go deeper into the astrology of December itself, I would highly, highly recommend the astrology podcast in the December 2021 forecast or Jessica Lignato's podcast where each week she releases a new episode going over the transits of the week. Uh, But this entire month of December contains a lot of massive energetic shifts from where we have been, not just in the last few weeks, but in most of 2021. Um, So 
we will be experiencing Mars shifting into Sagittarius from Scorpio. Feels like he's been in Scorpio for a million years. We'll be experiencing Mercury moving into Capricorn from Sag. We'll be experiencing a Venus retrograde in Capricorn. Um, we'll also be experiencing Jupiter moving from Aquarius into Pisces for good now for the next uh, just about a year. We're having our third Saturn Uranus square of the season of this year. Um, the third and final one we have, they get really close again to making a square next year, but they're actually not going to become exact. So this is the third and final of those squares, even though that story kind of continues playing out for a little while. So there's a lot of change that happens during this season and the energy from the beginning of this month of December is going to be totally different from the end of the month. So that's something I just want to mention that there is a lot happening and I'm not going to get into all of the details of it. Um, again, we're just going to be focusing on the rest of Sagittarius season. So the medicine for the season that I pulled was Ace of Swords. Ace of Swords is air energy, but aces are all kind of have a fiery element to them because they're the initiation of that energy. So this is the beginning of it. Um, there's newness here. What this card is sharing with us is that during the season, there's a need to approach things with a clear mind, with focused intent. A lot of Ace of Swords is really about getting really clear, setting aside any kind of idealism, any kind of fantasy about what's happening and being really present and seeing things unclouded. The sword like clears away the fogginess. And one thing that I will mention about this is that on December 1st, Neptune went direct. So Neptune was retrograde for um, the last, um, I don't know offhand, six months, five months, um, and is now moving direct. So this is also something that carries that energy of fog dissipating and being able to get a little bit clearer and more clarity around what's going on coming into a space of no longer being clouded by um, false beliefs that you've had by the ideals and the desires to see something in certain ways. Like we're taking the rose colored glasses off and are really being asked to see clearly. Um, a part of this is breaking out of where you've been lying to yourself or where you've been deceiving yourself or where you've been telling yourself something is, something is okay. Or maybe a way that you're being treated is like, okay, but really it's not. And so a really big part of this energy is coming to terms with that, coming to terms with where we, um, haven't been seen clearly and giving ourselves compassion for that and also recognizing that now we have the opportunity to move forward. So this card also contains a lot of symbolism around victory. Um, the deck that I that I use mostly is called the Line Strider Tarot and the artist on it has depicted uh, an eagle with a crown that's standing on the hilt of a sword. And so it's it's these elements of victory when we bring some kind of shrewdness into it, when we have that eye that is very clear, when we're looking at something, when we're understanding it clearly and assessing the facts, asks us to be honest about our motivations um, and our intentions. It asks us to really accept the truth of what is here um, and either how we've been contributing, how we have been deceiving ourselves or whatever that may be, just seeing clearly, accepting that truth and then taking decisive action from that really clear, centered 
place. So this card brings us into the more masculine energy. Again, it's fire. I'm, fire energy is the energy of Sag, which is also masculine, but this card's energy is air. So it's this combination of air and fire, the combination of the intellect and the will, our thought processes, how we see, how we think, and then what we do based off of that, what we do to approach our desires based off of the clarity of mind that we have. And so this is the medicine of the entire season that's here for us. Now, to get into a little bit more of the astrology of the season, I mentioned that our second eclipse that's finishing off the eclipse portal is happening on December 3rd at 12 degrees of Sag. Again, December 3rd at 1152-ish Pacific Standard Time. So adjust for your time zone. As this being the final um, bookend of this eclipse season, there is nothing you need to do in order to work with this energy. This energy is going to be moving and grooving and doing things entirely on its own. You don't need to do anything to connect to that. If you want to connect to ritual at some point during this new moon, I mean, you are encouraged to do so, but this isn't a new moon where you want to be setting intentions um, because with an eclipse, we the way that things manifest through eclipse season and through an eclipse time, even though the support, this portal is finishing out, this is beginning this new lunar cycle, the new 28-day lunar cycle, but it's also beginning a new six-month cycle that will finish at a full moon in Sagittarius in June. And I I believe that that is going to be the last of our eclipses in the Gemini-Sagittarius axis. So the story that's being told in this area is still going to be playing out and revisited in the next six months. So again, this isn't really a time to like set intentions. Um, If you want to be with this energy in a more intentional way, I would recommend like pulling cards around it and just sitting with what comes up for you and maybe maybe setting some intentions in the form of concepts, like in the form of um, ideals that you want to bring in, whether that be being open and receptive for the changes that are here for you or developing... I'm just making this up off the top of my head, but just developing greater intuition and connection to your body. So um, setting those intentions, but not having it be like, I'm going to do X, Y, Z and this thing every single day or three times a week in order to get X result, because oftentimes things shift and change and that end result that we desired, we may not desire anymore, but in general, we we don't know how things will manifest. So just giving, giving space to the universe to do what it's going to do and tapping into your sense of receptivity. I mentioned this in the eclipse mini episode, but this is what's really being called on us during eclipse season is leaning into that sense of receptivity. So um, that's what I would really encourage you to do at this new moon. It's going to be a really nice time to just do energy clearing support supportive things, whether that be um, spending time outside, grounding your energy, spending time around water, connecting to the element of fire um, because of this fire season, right? So maybe that is having candles around you, doing a candle ritual. Maybe that is um, taking a really nice Epsom salt bath and having some candles around you there. Or maybe it's doing a shower ritual and having um, speaking that the water cleanses your system and your energy as it washes over you, whatever it may be. There are so many ways that you can connect with this. But again, this isn't a time where you need to be like setting specific goals or intentions with this energy. So if you have your birth chart, look to the house that Sagittarius, um, I want to say like owns. Why am I blanking on 
what this is actually called rules thank you thank you brain um check for the house that sagittarius rules for you and this is where you're going to be experiencing that eclipse so the house will give you more context about where this is coming through for you and then check to see if you have any planets between um 8 and 16 degrees of any of the mutable signs sagittarius gemini virgo or pisces and then see if you have um any planets in that degree section again 8 to 16 of any fire signs and um these placements would be activated for you during this time and this new moon so this can also give you more nuance as far as what's being activated how that's coming through maybe just noticing shifts that you are feeling in certain areas of your life then on december 13th is when mars is moving into sagittarius and mercury is moving into capricorn so really massive shifts in energy here mars being um our sense of action and will and drive and our masculine especially as it relates to the ego and to material forms of doing um, or separating and individuating this being in Sagittarius means that Mars is going to be incredibly reactive to our desires we may be feeling greater senses of restlessness or um, a greater desire to really plug into our belief systems and values and allow that to percolate and like come through in the way that it is that you're taking action and doing things and then mercury moving into capricorn from sag is coming into um mercury is coming into an earth sign mercury is coming into like a steady hard and fast earth sign that it it doesn't typically like honestly love um mercury being in capricorn is a much more serious mercury is a slower mercury that takes its time a little bit more um and this is connecting us again that mercury back to our thought processes our communication how we give and receive information um so something that also feels prevalent during this time of mercury and capricorn is like uncovering the solid stable truths and disconnecting from the noise of misinformation and disinformation and uh, the media and social media and like all of all of this chaotic input there's a much greater capacity to like discern to connect to what is real what is true what is stable um, and leaning into that kind of sweet spot and then on December 18th, we have our full moon in Gemini. This is happening at 27 degrees of Gemini um, and 27 degrees of Sag. So the full moon happens when the moon and the sun are completely opposite from one another. And this is two weeks after we have the new moon where the moon and the sun are conjunct. They're exact with one another. So the moon is going to be at 27 degrees of Gemini, the sun at 27 degrees of Sagittarius. And this uh, full moon itself is being ruled by Mercury, who is going to be at eight degrees of Capricorn. So check out where 27 degrees of Gemini is in your chart. Check out any planets that you have between um, 23 to uh, two degrees of the following sign. So two degrees of Cancer or um uh yeah i guess you would have to apply this all over the chart so like just the next two degrees um into the following sign so notice any planets that you have around there and again these are going to be um, players in this illumination for you uh, also as a side note i do offer recorded readings around full and new moons to check in with where it is in your chart and how it comes through for you so 
I don't really advertise these very often. These are mostly things that I do for um, pre-existing clients. But if you're ever interested, that's something that you can just reach out to me by email um, and we can do that for you. But this full moon in Gemini is not an eclipse, although it is still playing off of the uh, energies of this Gemini and Sag axis. And whereas Sagittarius is the teacher and is concerned about experience and doing and adventure, Gemini operates much more on the mental intellectual levels um, as it's an air sign. I do personally feel like Gemini and Sag are some of the most similar of all of the opposite signs. This probably has something to do with me being a Gemini stellium and having had so many Sagittarians in my life. I like feel that consistency very deeply. Um, but Gemini learns through through words, through communication, through the mercurial pursuits, um, as well as through experience. But the focus is really on like the learning through info and the sharing of information and bridging a gap between information and taking two things that seem like they don't have to do with one another and drawing a line between them and finding the space where they do and then building that into your frame of mind. So Gemini has a reputation for being two-faced, but Gemini is very good and gifted at taking in all kinds of form of information and then moving through an internal process of having that come up against what you already think and believe and then moving through a process of um, shifting and then integrating the new information. So maybe that's changing your mind about something. Um, Maybe it's completely letting go of one way of thinking in, ter in, in favor of another. Maybe it's just taking what you've learned um, from a different culture, a different belief system, a different uh, worldview, and integrating that into what you know and recognizing that regardless of the truth of your experience, the truth of someone else's experience is just as valid. And we have so much to learn from, from all of that right? And my truth does not negate your truth, even if our experiences have been different. So that's, that's kind of a theme of Gemini and Sag. Um, if you're interested to learn more about this full moon, I may or may not be talking about it more on the pod. I'm sure that I will be through my email list. So you can go ahead and sign up for that um, if you'd like to. And then on December 19th, the day after the full moon, Venus is moving retrograde in Capricorn at 26 degrees of Capricorn conjunct to Pluto. So this retrograde conjunct to Pluto is completely deserving of an, its own episode in and of itself. Venus only goes retrograde once every 18 months. So the last time we had a Venus retrograde was of June of 2020, and this was in the sign of Gemini. Now we have this Venus retrograde, and she is beginning her retrograde on the exact same degree that we had the Saturn-Pluto-Jupiter pileup in January of 2020, which also coincided with the first cases of coronavirus being um, publicly shared and shown. And so it's interesting just to note that this is happening on the same degree. A Venus retrograde brings us into the shadows of Venus in some way. So what comes to the front, to the forefront, really has to do with how we connect with others to our relationships, our friendships, our partnerships, um, how we are showing up for them, how they are showing up for us, what feels solid, secure, and good, and how we want to move forward with that. And that 
especially that feeling of security and stability. Venus really desires stability and security, but that so much comes through by this being in Capricorn and that being the filter of Venus. It's like a very earthly grounded Venus that we're dealing with here. So Venus, um, as she is retrograde, begins this process of uncovering in our relations and how we seek them and how we operate in relationship. But this also connects us to other things that Venus rules, such as our values. So what it is that we value, how that comes through in our day-to-day lives and our living, and especially in Capricorn, how our values are informing the foundation and the structure of our lives and seeing where that's out of alignment and coming back into um, greater reflection and clarity around what those values are, what they may be, and how you want to move forward um, now that you have that clarity. This also connects us to money issues around money, how we handle money, um, our relationship to money as its own energy and entity um, really comes forward with Venus. Venus also connects us to our creativity and how we express our creativity to art and aesthetic and beauty and like embracing sensuality and luxury and things that feel really good to the senses. And so this is a time that we can also really like tap back into our creativity and get really connected and kind of excavate the blocks that have come up around our inner creative expressing itself or around our creations feeling fully expressed around our own self-expression coming through through the things that we create um this is another reason why i chose to launch journey through the artist way in january is to really tap into this venus retrograde and into this energy of reflection around our values and how we live them and how we express them and how we connect to ourselves as an inner creative so the retrograde brings us into kind of this underworld space um one of my favorite astrologers austin Coppic, put this as like whereas usually with venus we're in this really beautiful um really well cared for lush garden the venus retrograde kind of brings us into the caverns and the caves that lie just beyond that um that venus is also responsible for but that we don't usually look at and so there's this kind of underworld themed and this is highlighted by the fact that venus is stationing retrograde right on top of pluto pluto is also this really investigative um transformative underworld energy and so this not only gives us greater capacity to investigate and to really connect to that plutonian ability to completely transform and to create anew from where something once stood but it also brings us into the depths of that process um, and into the depths of ourselves in some way so something to just really notice um, in yourself as we move through this Venus retrograde especially as it's over the holidays and is over a time where we spend usually more time than ever connecting with our family with our friends from our hometowns whatever that may be um, noticing that there is this inconsistency in terms of energy and output in our relationships that you may be feeling that and that the people around you may be feeling that as well and just carrying yourself with extra grace and compassion and then extending that compassion out towards those around you during this season is really really key well my friends if you've made it this far with me thank you so much thank you so much for joining me i am 
it's just blessed to have you here and to be able to share my voice, myself, and my work in this way. I hope that this episode was supportive for you um, in the upcoming couple of weeks. Uh, if you want to connect, I would love to hear from you. If you have things that you want me to talk about, I would also love to hear from you. You're welcome to shoot me an email. It's Caitlin at ofthestars.love. I'll also put that in the show notes below, or you can send me a DM on Instagram at Kate Gare, C-A-I-T-G-O-E-H-R. And again, we'll be starting Journey Through the Artist's Way on January 22nd, 2022. So if you are interested, go ahead and hit me up as well. Let me know. I will keep you on that list so that you'll get um, more detailed information very, very soon. Um, And yeah, if you want to connect further or work with me, you can also visit my website. If you feel so inclined to share your energy by leaving a rating or review these are so so helpful for any podcaster and i would so appreciate that if you do go ahead and send me a screenshot of that either through instagram or to my email and i'll record and send back to you a little one card reading so thank you again May all beings everywhere be happy and free and may the thoughts, words, and actions of my own life contribute in some way to that happiness and freedom for all. So much love to you. Bye.